Christmas, Parkway Church, Parkway Victoria, Port Lavaca, Lone Tree. Happy New Year's, and for those of you guys really driven, happy pre-diet season. Um, you do you, you going alone, all right? But glad you guys are with us this morning for our family service. Um, we want to kind of wrap up our series, Home for Christmas, really looking at the idea of Emmanuel. Now, I think a lot of times in Christmas songs, we, we sing the words, and, and sometimes we don't know what they mean, like Ebenezer. I have no idea. But Emmanuel it has very much a meaning to it. Emmanuel is a name of Jesus, meaning God with us. And it is true so much. We see in the Christmas story that literally God himself chose to be with us, sending his one and only son to leave perfection by God the Father, to be with us, being born in such humble circumstances as he was. That is so, so important. But here's the question I want to ask you guys at all locations. I want you to seriously think about this. Why? Why did God choose to be with us? Why is the Christmas for? Why did he do that? Why did Emmanuel, God, choose to be with us? It can't just simply be it was a good idea. It can't just simply mean it'd make a, a cute story and a really great scene on Grandma's mantle, although it does. There has to be more of a reason than that. Why? The, the fundamental why, the bedrock why, is He did it to save us. Now, some of you guys are like, wait a minute. The, the salvation, that's, that's the Easter story, right? I want you to see this. Without the, the baby in the manger, without Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, coming to be with us, you don't have a Savior on the cross paying the penalty for our sins and later having the empty grave that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. You see, the Christmas story is a key point where God says, you know what, I am sending my Son to save you from your sin. What I want us to look at today is this, one key thing, how will we respond? What is actually the right response to Emmanuel, God with us, sent here to save us. And I think this time of year, you have a unique image of responding to a free gift because Jesus Christ to us is a free gift. We don't earn it. We don't pay it back. It's a free gift, much like the Christmas season, right? Now, I'm sure most of all, every single last one of us, Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, Victoria, we all opened up gifts this Christmas season, right? Christmas Eve, Christmas. Man, some of you guys, you opened up a gift and, and you were just blown away one way or the other, right? Like, when you open up gifts, the initial response always says something about how you view that gift, right? Like, show of hands, Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, Victoria, how many of you guys, you opened up a gift Christmas Eve or Christmas, and you straight up had no idea what it was? Like, you, oh, and those are the worst ones, right? You're like, you're opening up, you're like, oh my goodness, thank you for... This, I guess that's the worst feeling ever, you know, and you're thinking like, I got to play this off. I am, I'm so looking forward to using this in the car. No, (laughs) you know, you're trying to imagine in the shower. I didn't see that coming. All right. You know, your reaction always says something about the gift. You know, you've opened up a gift before and you knew for a fact they forgot you were going to be there at Christmas. Anybody ever opened up that gift before? You're like, you open up. 
You're like, you ran to Walgreens an hour ago, right? Our response shows how we view the gift. And we can all remember a gift we've gotten in Christmas, and it stuck out to us. Everybody, I want you to imagine, like, your favorite Christmas gift. And some of you guys are about to go, Jesus, like, I, later, all right, hold on. Don't get ahead of me. I want you to imagine the, the, the favorite Christmas gift you got, especially when you're a kid, you know? And some of these are going to, they're going to date you a little bit. I'm going to date myself. Mine is when I got my own TV and my own VHS player, all right? Yeah. And I got the, the full Indiana Jones set. And here's the thing. I loved it so much, I didn't see a family member that Christmas day. You know what I did? I stayed upstairs and watched Indiana Jones. It was awesome, man. But we can all remember something that was meaningful to us at Christmas. I had a, it's with my wife, Ashley, in Mississippi. And a cousin of hers, she had lost her, her father. And one of her, her close family members, they went and found a letter that, that, had, that, her, that her father had written that it said on it in a line, always much love. And they sent it off to be inscribed on a necklace. And when she opened it up and she recognized his handwriting, it, you could see the reaction on her face, the, the emotions in it. What I'm getting at is this, is our response to a gift, a free gift to us, always shows the way we view that gift. Our, we, we can't really lie with our reactions. They always show how we feel about it. What I want to look at today is Mark chapter 5. You can go there today. We'll be there for the most of the day before going to uh, 2 Corinthians. Mark chapter 5, we see a passage that at first we don't know what to do with because it's, it, you'll see what I'm talking about. It has some oddities to it. But the reality is in this chapter, in this passage, Mark chapter 5, 1 through 13, we see to drastically different responses to God's grace, to God's mercy, and to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We see two drastically different responses, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Let's jump right into it. It says, They went across the lake, the, the disciples and Jesus, to the region of Grisenes, and this is southeast um, of Sea of Galilee, a likely very Gentile, heavy population. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Impure spirit meaning likely a demon there, something from the enemy sent to torment this man, an impure spirit. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him. Um, no one could, um, this man had an impure spirit from the tombs. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, a.k.a. they had tried. For he had often beaten, he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This man was tormented by these impure spirits, and Scripture says it is true, it is true. This man was cut off from society. The best society had done was trying to chain him, to hold him down. And when that didn't work, they just said, just stay in the tombs and stay away from us. This man was tormented. This man had a miserable life by all means until he met the Messiah, Emmanuel. When he saw Jesus, verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? 
in God's name, don't torment me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. It's interesting that this impure spirit sent from the enemy acknowledged that Jesus' power and authority was absolute. He knew he didn't stand a chance. He acknowledged that Jesus was the one and only Son of God. I want you to see, even they acknowledge that. Verse 9, Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And what has to be one of the most eerie passages, My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Now here's the thing. If you just read that passage and you read, We are Legion, in a really dark, deep, scary voice, you need to stop watching as many scary movies as you do. All right? I want you to know that, right? If you change, like, your inner monologue went, like, really deep, dark, voice-saying Legion, you need a little more I Love Lucy in your life. All right? So that's your next step. Um, Just kidding. Verse 10, And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demon begged Jesus, the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in numbers, rushed down the step, the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. I imagine just being a disciple sitting back with just my jaw hitting the floor, right? Do you imagine being present? Maybe going home that night. Hey, honey, how was your day? It was interesting, all right? <laughs> Jesus sent out a legion of demons into a pigs that went and uh, ran into the lake and drowned themselves. Slow day, you know? Like, I would just be blown away at what just happened, okay? But I want you to do is imagine being in the area. I want you to imagine you lived in this area during this time. And news like this would spread, right? Visit in Port Lavaca and Lone Tree, Victoria, small towns, it would spread faster. But one way or the other, news would spread of this amazing event. This a man who is tormented and now he is set free. This, these pigs, like this is too good of a story to not hear about. How would you respond? How would you respond to this? Because I want you to see there's two responses to this we're about to see. And they say a lot about how they viewed the gift that is Jesus Christ. Verse 15, when they came to Jesus, okay, meaning the kind of the local people, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Um, I imagine they'd had so many run-ins with this guy, and they saw him just sitting there having a sandwich. They kind of like walked slowly around him, you know, like they didn't want to give Bill a second chance yet. But anyway, verse 16 Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Listen to this verse 17. This one matters so much. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. It's not the response you had in mind, was it? They walked up to Jesus and they didn't ask nicely. They didn't say, hey, when are you going to leave? You know, like... You have family members staying with you a little bit too long. You walk up to them like, when are you heading back home? You know, it wasn't that. All right, wasn't nicely asking cousin Eddie to when he's going to head back. It's, will you leave right now? We want you to leave here as fast as you can. Get out of our area. Leave this city. Leave this region. We have to ask ourselves, why did they respond that way? 
It was a mostly Gentile area, but I have no doubt they had heard the Jews talking about the one day coming Messiah for generations. In their mind, they were probably thinking this could be the man that they had been telling about. This is a man who this tormented poor soul who had lived among the tombs of these impure spirits, this man delivered him. He healed him. They're seeing him right there in his right mind. Maybe have a conversation with him. And the response was, get out. Why? Simply put, it says it there in verse 16. They were told about what? The pigs and the man. They were told about both. Now, it said it was 2,000 pigs, so we're talking mega herd of pigs, all right? And at that time, I mean, this is a subsistence farming culture. That was a lot of money that just ran into the lake. I will be honest with that. That was a lot of income that just ran into the lake. But when they looked at their lost income, their lost livelihood, and this man who was set free, which one did they care more about? They chose the pigs over him. Now, that is their response. I want you to look at the polar opposite Verse 18 of how the man responded. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. One group begged him to go. The other one got in the boat and said, Please, Jesus, can I come with you? Jesus did not let him, but said, Go to your own people and let them um, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Two responses could not be more different. One said, please leave. The other one said, please, can I just come with you? I just want to be around you. I want to be around you and know you more. And instead, Jesus says, go and tell what I've done for you. He immediately did, and people were amazed. So the big question is this. Does our response to Emmanuel, God with us, does it look more like the people of the area? Does it look more like the man who has shown so much mercy by God? Which one does it look more like today? And you have to ask yourself, why did the man act so differently? Because he knew the love of God. It was real to him. It was personal. He had experienced it in his own life. Which one does our response look more like? If you say, you know what, in 2019, I want to go on a diet, then I'm going to start not today, right? You, have some, you want to read more books, hey man, that's great. You want to lose some weight, I'm planning on doing that in 2020, all right? Like, we have a lot of good and great things we want to be about in this upcoming year, and that's great. Go and do those things. But I want to tell you this. If there's one thing you want to change in the upcoming year, having the mindset of this man will change more than anything. Having a heart for people to share their love and message of Jesus Christ, that matters more than anything else. And so the question is, how do we actually go about doing that? How do we do that step by step? Well, Paul had so much to say about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll be there the rest of the day. If you want to turn there, we'll have a couple of things to say then wrap up today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul was directing the church in Corinth of how to actually share the love and message of Jesus Christ. How to show the world the love of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel, to fulfill the Great Commission. He says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15. says, For Christ's love compels us. It doesn't obligate us. It doesn't guilt us into it. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced 
that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He died for all, that those who lived should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. You see, because of the Gospel, because of Jesus Christ's love for us, we share the message of God's love. That's what drove that man to go and tell everybody. God's love compelled him to go and do it. It didn't obligate him. Jesus didn't say, hey, I did this for you. Pay it off. Go tell everybody else. He was so blown away by God's love for him that he instantly went, I'm sure told every single last person he had ever met. We are share the message of Christ, of God's love to the world. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. The right response to this, we'll say, man, well, well, Christ showed love to me, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to um, I'm going to be a really good person. I'm going to live a moral life. Well, that's a good thing, right? We are called to have our faith show up in our actions. We're called to do that. We are called to live a life that honors God. We are absolutely called to do that. But I want you to see this. The full and, and the right, the fully right response to God's love isn't simply just acting morally right. If we're truly going to respond to God's love and live life that honors God, it means sharing the message of Jesus Christ, sharing His love, literally going to that person you have in your mind right now and telling them of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, our actions, our God-honoring actions, they have a role to play, and Paul brings it up in the next verse, verse 16. He says, For now on, verse 16, For now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. If you believe in Christ, you're a new creation. The old you is dead, the new you is alive because of what Christ did for you. Indwelled with the Holy Spirit, you are now able to live a new life in Christ and be transformed. And so because of the good news of the gospel, we share the message of a new life in Christ. Because of the gospel, because of what Christ did for us, we share the message of a new life in Christ. Now here's the thing. I want you to see this. When we act in a way that honors God, when we speak in a way that honors God, we're sharing our new life in Christ. I want you to see this. The way that you live isn't the only response to the gospel. It's your response to the gospel that paves the way to have a conversation about Christ's love. You see, the way it is meant to work is we live a new life. We have a new life in Christ. And because of that, people see us as different. People see us as, as transformed. Poor Lavaca, Lone Tree, Victoria. When people see that we have a new life in Christ and we are acting that way, people ask questions. You are different, right? Imagine the man who went out, who was freed by God. He went out and look, I'm sure people were saying, you used to live among the tombs. What in the world are you doing here talking to me? He had been transformed. Because, look at this, how much more should we? Because I want you to see this. I want you to see this. That man was freed from like temporary torment. That man was freed from definitely numerous problems. But we have actually been freed from more. You see, Christ paid the penalty for our sins for eternity. We are His for all of eternity. 
He has done so much for us. He has changed our eternity, not just tomorrow, but He has changed our eternity. And so look at this. Keeps on going. Verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through God and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's where we don't use very much, but what He means by that is reconciliation is all of us in here have sin, okay? Every single last one of us, down from a newborn baby to not newborn baby, all right? All of us have a sin problem, and that separates us from God. And look at this, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, as He was committed to us the message of reconciliation. You see, God reconciled us to Him, because when He died on the cross for us, He paid the penalty for our sins, and we have been reconciled to Him. We have a relationship with Him. He has paid the penalty for our sin that separated us from God so that we can have a relationship with Him now and forever. Now, here's the thing. Because of this, we should share the message of forgiveness of sins. We should share the message of forgiveness of sins. Now, there's two words in there people don't like very much. Oftentimes, the word sin and forgiveness. They don't like sin because it calls what sin is, sin. It's not just a bad choice, it's sin. And forgiveness people don't always necessarily like because, hey, what are you saying I need to be forgiven of? I think we in our minds are playing of how people may respond to this. You know, it's 2018, about to be 2019, and we have some very interesting phrases in culture. Like, how many times have you heard this? Man, you know what, that works for you, but you do you, all right? That is the most, like, 2018 phrase ever, right? You do you, right? Here's a really odd one. That's your truth, but this is my truth. You ever stopped and thought about how weird of a statement that is? Like, that is, it's like truth as a pet, you know? Like, this is my truth, right? Like, it's just a strange thing. People say, you know what? I get that you think that Jesus Christ died for our sins, but you know what I say? I say, you know what? That's good for you. It's not necessarily for me. But what you see is this. That may be what they say, but here's the thing. That doesn't change what God says. God says everyone needs a Savior. Everybody has sin, and therefore I died for everyone if they believe in me. Here's the question. Do you care more about what they are saying or what God is saying? Now, we always share the gospel in love. We only share it in a loving way, but the reality is this, man. They may have some, some opposition. They may have some questions to it. They may say, you know what, I don't want you to share that with me. But the reality is this, is it's the best news for them in their lives. It's what God has said. We say, you know what, Christ, you died for their sins. You love them. I am being sent out to them. The last thing is this, verse 20 through 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, because of the good news of the gospel, because of Emmanuel, God with us, we share the message of living life with God. We share the message of living life with God. What that shows, man, is that we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with Him. We're just sharing the relationship that we have. Some of you, maybe you just realize that maybe your next step is to grow in your relationship with God so that you have more to share. Maybe it's diving into the Word every day 
for God to speak to you that way. When you get to work, you have something to share with them. Hey, here's what God is telling me here recently. But we share the life we have with God, the relationship we have with Him. And so closing out, I want to challenge you with this. Your new New Year's resolution. Hey, man, you want to keep on going on keto? You do you. I'm going to enjoy my carbs, all right? Here's maybe a little bit of an add-on for a New Year's resolution. Who is the person in your life that you know does not know Christ? You have their name in your mind, right? It may be a couple, and if so, that's great. Hey, you know what? Have people in your life who don't know Christ. That's a good sign. We have to get outside of our Christian bubble. Who is that person? I want you to name them in your head right now. I want you to think about the next time that you're going to see them. I want you to think about maybe what's the the next step you need to take with them to sharing the love and message the story of Christ. What's your next step in that? I want to challenge you. Maybe that one person you have in your mind who you have earned the, the right and the respect to speak into their lives. Who is that person? What if your goal for this upcoming year, for 2019, is to say, you know what? I care about that person. Christ has transformed me eternally and also in my life now. And I want to share Christ with that person. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I have that person in my mind right now. I have an idea when I'm going to see him next and what I want to say next. I challenge you. Find that person in your life and say, you know, in 2019, God, my goal is to share the gospel with them so they may know you. I challenge you to it. Maybe some of you guys who walked in here today and said, you know what? That sounds great, but I think today was one of the first days that I actually understood the gospel. Maybe today is the first day you understand that you do have a sin problem and that Jesus Christ is the answer to that sin problem. Maybe really your next step today is to believe in Christ for eternal life. And if so, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. We're all going to bow our heads and pray together. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, I thank you so, so very much for your love for us. God, you care for us. You sent your one and only Son, Emmanuel, to be with us, Jesus Christ, to be with us, to live the perfect life, to pay the penalty for our sin, that if we believe in him, we may have eternal life. We may be spared from eternity apart from God that is hell to be with you forever eternally, Lord. We thank you for that. It's not based on our, it's not based on us paying it back, Lord. It's not based on us earning our salvation, God. It's a free gift. If we believe in you, everything has changed. God, I pray for anyone today that maybe that's their next step to believe in you. I pray they may have the boldness to do so. Maybe marking that belief in you with a simple prayer, praying, Dear Lord, I am a sinner, Lord, and I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I believe in Him today for eternal life. God, I thank You for anyone believed in You today. God, I pray all the more that we may also be so thankful for what You have done. And we be thankful for the free gift that You have given us, Lord. And we say, God, You have done so much for me that I am now compelled to go and share the good news. That's my goal for 2019. First and foremost, to share your love with someone that I care deeply about, Lord. 
I pray we may have that burning passion to fulfill the Great Commission in our lives, Lord, as individuals, Lord, and also as a body of Christ. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.